The objective, to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. Esperahini uh, here. You see him. You, hello. Hi, everybody. Uh, Lauren is joining me. She's back. After after a week away, I talked to Chris Herring without her. I talked to Jackson Frank without her. I knew she would have loved getting into those conversations. Lauren, welcome back. Give a little round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I am sad that I had to miss those conversations because those those are two of my my faves that cover uh, cover the league with us. So I am definitely sad that I had to miss those. But great conversations were had. So that's all that matters to me. Yes, that is true. And uh, you guys should tap in. They they had a lot of insight about the NBA playoffs, breaking it down, doing some analysis and all that fun jazz. Ladies and gentlemen, it is set. Everything is set. The regular season is over. Finito, done, finish. Comprende, it is done. All 82 mm-hmm. games for every single team has has finished. All right? Um, but, boy, was it a crazy, crazy, crazy final weekend of regular season basketball. The Dallas Mavericks gave up on everything that was right. They, they broke the sanctity of the NBA and are now being investigated for for uh, purposefully tanking, even though the Portland Trailblazers have been doing that for over a month. Um, There is the Portland Trailblazers themselves. You know, Damian Lillard had some very interesting comments about the summer and how active they need to be, how they need to get on the same page and really push forward, quote unquote, to to win now. That's those are side topics that are going to be happening. But the main topic of conversation that everybody is talking about right now is the punch. And I'm not talking about Rudy Tomjanovich in 1970. I'm not talking about Draymond Green in 2023. I'm talking about Rudy Gobert punching Kyle Anderson square in the chest, okay, uh, in the middle of a huddle in the most important game of Sunday's final regular season day. It was the Pelicans versus the Timberwolves. The winner of that would have got the eight seed, which means you would have got two shots at making the playoffs. And the Timberwolves miraculously came back despite Jaden McDaniels breaking his hand halfway through the game, despite Rudy Gobert being sent home halfway through the game. The Timberwolves, thanks to some great shot making from Carl Anthony Towns, some impressive two-way sequences from Anthony Edwards, who looked like a star, uh, they pulled this out. They won. They are now the eighth seed. But they're kind of screwed. And I, I, I did that. I gave you guys a beat right there. That was a beat. I paused because it's a change in the conversation. They are very, very screwed, like genuinely extremely screwed right now because they're going to be facing the Los Angeles Lakers for the seven seed tomorrow. Rudy Gobert has has been suspended by the Minnesota Timberwolves for that game because of the punch in the huddle. You can go and check it out on on the Googles and the YouTubes of the world. And on top of that, they will be without Jada McDaniels probably for the rest of the season because he broke his hand. And they will be without Naz Reed, who also hurt his wrist, broke his wrist, and will be out for most likely the rest of the season. So now they're down three players going up against the Lakers who have looked good, 
since the all-star break. We've talked about them a lot here on this podcast. Um, Lauren, I guess, I guess like, where do you sit before we get into playing predictions and playoff predictions and all that stuff? Where do you sit with all of the things that happened over the weekend? If you want, you can touch on your Mavericks. You can touch on the Dame comments and then obviously the, the Rudy stuff here. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely start with the with the Rudy stuff. Uh, I think it's important to note that with a lot of these teams, there's there are always going to be personalities that don't mesh. It's not always going to be rainbows and butterflies, and we're traveling and we're having fun, and we're NBA players that are just having a great time together, living the dream. That is not the reality. There are always going to be personalities that that collide and and mm-hmm. things that don't necessarily go right. And I think if you're looking at every individual team, the goal for them is to always keep those things private, keep those things internal. But every now and then, like you mentioned, the dream on green one that was supposed to stay internal again, another conversation, but um, we see these moments happen and every now and then they come, they come to light and they get brought to everyone for everyone to see. And those are the moments where, when, if you're the team and you have to have a quick bounce back from that, it's very, very difficult to do because it's awkward. There's tension and there's, Uh, there are unresolved issues because again, it's a quick turnaround and you can't solve everything overnight. And so, um, you know, Rudy being suspended for a game for this game against the Lakers, um, you know, I think he's he's deserving it it, when it comes to physical blows like that. It's a very like that, that says that speaks volumes. And so I just, I was baffled that it happened. Um, and I, especially when you're the guy, I mean, the technically like the new guy on a new team like that, I think that says a lot. That's a lot. He came in. He was supposed to be the leader, the Mm. veteran presence to 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 coalesce everybody together. Yeah. He is the stir of the stick in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all, there were, they already had a, I guess an under, an underwhelming season. I think Mm -hmm. most people would say, um, an underwhelming season. And then Mike Conley kind of comes in and, and is, you know, helped and slapped somewhat of a bandaid on it. But, there's still this overarching conversation of, okay, well, we went all in on Rudy Gobert. Now what? We were expecting at least in the initial in the initial season of that, we were expecting more. And it yeah. it wasn't more. And so now you add this kind of level to all of this, a, a punch that took place in front of the entire, like in front of everyone, the entire league, really. And so it just it's a shame. I don't know what it's going to mean for them. I I I'm always quick to say, oh, well, you can't just assume that, okay, well, something like that happens. Now the team's blowing up or they're going to move on from him or anything like that. But going into this this pressure cooker environment that is the play-in and then ultimately the playoffs, if they can get there, um, there's a lot, there's even more pressure on there. And I go back to Al mm-hmm. Horford when he was on JJ Reddick's podcast talking about each step of the playoffs. Obviously, this was before the play-in, but each step becoming um, uh, what's exponentially more difficult. And, and, right. and, and yeah. there's no really it's not linear. And so I'm curious to see what that means for the Timberwolves and what that means for some of these personalities, because Anthony Edwards is no small personality either. And he, it, there are, you know, questions about this ultimately becoming his team. And so what does he have to say about all this? You've got all these voices and they're kind of at a place where it's like, well, you know, conversations are going to start be having about cat if things don't start getting on the same page and they're certainly not headed the right direction. No, they are not. Uh, things can only get worse from here, to be honest with you, because, you know, given given the injuries that they have, they could potentially fall completely out of the playoffs. They could lose their first game against the Lakers. They could lose to the winner of the Pelicans and Thunder game. And then they would be a lottery team, which means that the Utah Jazz would be getting a second lottery pick this season because 
The Timberwolves traded this year's lottery pick, among other things, among many other things, in order to acquire Gobert. So it's just, it's a little bit of, I don't know, poetic irony. It's it's something, whatever your literature word would be for this, it is very coincidental. It is ironic, if you will, that at the end of the day, it is Gobert that is coming back to haunt them. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Start of the year, when this trade went down, I was a big fan. I was completely on the opposite side of this. I thought this is exactly what the Timberwolves needed. It was a fine price to pay, even though it was a lot. It saves and and helps them out in an area that they desperately need. This is going to be perfect for them. It has not been that at all through 82 games. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've they, they've honestly, to be honest with you, especially when when Cat is back in the lineup, they've looked better with Gobert off the court. Uh, so I, I I'm very curious to see how that situation progresses even past this season what they end up doing what their decision is with Gobert with J-Mac with with Carl Anthony Towns even with Naz Reed who is this year you know yeah that's Um, a big that's a big thing that I think is getting overlooked right now specifically it got talked about more at the trade deadline because it was a conversation but I think going into this summer with all of these questions I mean you heard Kyle Anderson say uh on that clip you know there's a decision to be made this summer and so Yeah. What I mean, there are a lot of things that I think are uncertain right now in Minnesota. Yeah, uh, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll get into the play-in and and what that means for the Timberwolves in a second. Uh, I want to I want to let you kind of touch on your mm-hmm. Mavericks and the whole situation there because that's what was. I mean, to to top off a crazy weekend, the Mavericks were the center of the discussion for probably twenty four to forty eight hours yeah. of this weekend because of the fact that they essentially tanked out of the the play-in spot. They decided they weren't going to go for the play-in. It didn't matter to them that they were going to be the 10 seed. They gave Oklahoma City the chance. Shout out to OKC. They deserved it this season. They had an awesome year. They fought through their way through it. Dallas, mm-hmm. on the other hand, has crumbled post-All-Star yeah. break with Kyrie, with Luka. There's obviously the the Luka situation here. What's your read on it all? Because you know, I've I've heard I've uh, uh who is it? Uh, Bam McMahon. You know, he's he's oh, yeah. on the Brian Windhorse podcast all the time. He talks about it very very openly. He was talking about it today on their podcast too. Um, it's not as if Luca is ready to jump ship, mm-hmm. but there it's always in the back of your mind with a player like that. Yeah, because he's already a top five, top ten player in the NBA. He's already made multiple All NBA teams. He's probably going to end up on the MVP ballot this season. And yeah, he has, after this season, he has two years left on his contract. So you're you're asking yourself, what is going to be next for Mm -hmm. a team that has not been able to build a consistent contender around a guy of this caliber? So what's your read on this whole situation? Yeah, I mean, with Luka, God, he... I, I am not over here like, man, it's just any day now that he's going to jump ship. I, I don't personally feel that way, but I have heard, I have overheard things that I don't know if people intend, don't care if people hear them or what, but I have been at games where I've heard people say that the things get that get put on social media in terms of like, oh, well, we're not, there. there isn't any pressure from Luca. Those are just rumors. That's just people wanting to have the conversation prematurely. I have mm-hmm. heard multiple times that that is garbage and that everyone knows that there is internal pressure to get something going. And so, um, again, that's all just hearsay, but comes from some, some well-known faces. And so, um, with Luca, I think that this, I mean, the Jalen Brunson situation has been beat to death. We all know what it was. And so now it's like, okay, 
if you're looking at what they're doing now, it's now you got to push all those chips in. And for it's been, we've been saying that for seasons now, but yeah. they're finally in a place where they have a number two who has done very well next to Luca, even though the rest of their roster and what has happened, even though they haven't performed well, their numbers and their fit together and them showing that Kyrie can get certain units to play with pace. The Kyrie pickup is something that I believe Luca was happy with and is still happy with. I, I believe that. That is my current read on the situation. Yeah. I also believe that they now feel that they're in a position to, whether they stick with their 10th pick, whether they jump, or whether they get knocked out of that, t- they drop down. They're going to move that thing, man. They're going to move that. You know, what do you mean? What do you I, mean? They're going to they're gonna trade that pick, man. You think they're going to trade it? I just like I have a sixth sense about these things. Okay. I've, I okay. Look, um, realistically, like let, mm-hmm. let's let's think they, about this, right? Yes. They're yes. in a situation where they don't have a, a ton of assets in the asset pool. Mm-hmm. If there is a player that ends up being available this summer, and hey, today there was a report that Trey. I'm not saying they're going to go for Trey Young, but I'm right. saying this things type always of thing come happens up. Yeah. all the time. Bradley Beal just said that his frustration level is very very low. Yeah. I, again, I'm not saying they're going to go after these guys, but I'm saying. You have a pick. You have a lottery pick potentially in an all-time level draft. You have, I believe, other picks that you can attach alongside that, yep. plus Josh Green, plus Jaden Hardy. If you want to include other players, you can. Right. Now you have a decent enough package to go ahead and do that. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, if we're talking about aggressive, that's what I would deem that's what as you aggressive. Would, yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it'll definitely be on the table. I'm curious to see, I mean, if they jump up, past like the 10th pick into the top four that'll be the first time that they've ever that I believe that they've like improved at to that to that degree and so um for them I do think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the draft lottery because what I was going to say is even if they lose it even if they fall out and Mm -hmm. you know they tanked and missed the playoffs and they no longer have a pick even in that scenario I think right now they're operating under the impression that Christian Wood is gone and that they are getting Kyrie back. I think yeah. that that is where they're at. And so even if they lose the pick, they now have next year's uh, pick, excuse me, is no longer protected. Um, and then they've got the three consecutive years after that. And obviously there's there's difficulty trade. You can't trade two back-to-back years. But there then becomes options of, okay, we have Reggie Bullock's salary. Maybe Mitchell Robinson isn't so happy over in New York that they love Reggie Bullock over that. Like there are, there are all these scenarios out there where they can go out and find the big, because it's very clear that the big is the missing piece. The defensive minded Mm -hmm. big is the missing piece on this team. And then you can go out and always make around the fringe moves to get guys that can come in and at least get you to average from the, from a defensive like wing guard standpoint. And so um, I think that there, there are going to be options for them. And the reason when it comes down to Luca, that this is the season where there's a lot of this is the season where you got to show up is because one of how bad this this last season was but also because you now have Kyrie you now have the picks available you now have Josh Green and Jaden Hardy showing that they are intriguing young players that you can include in a deal you have everything to go out there and make a deal there's zero reason for you to not get a deal done and Christian Wood again you're losing him I would be shocked if he stays if he stays thank god but if he assuming he walks you have to go out there and get it and trade for a big because you can't sign one and so You've got the young guys, you've got the picks, whether you keep it or not, you're going to have moves draft wise and they need to go get that done. And the, the, the rim protecting defensive minded bigs, the type that they need, there isn't exactly a long list of guys that are tradable that you can go get. (laughs) 
swear to God. I swear to God. I mean, he might be available this summer. He might be available. And that, I mean, they, they might, what I, they might have to get into a situation where they're like, we might have to take something bad on. I'm, I'm not ruling anything out because that is truly how desperate they are. And so the, the thing that I will say is no matter what move happens next, it's got to get signed off by Luca. They know that they did it with Kyrie. They're going to continue to do that until he feels like he's in a place to get it done. Um, and so I still stand by the Kyrie move. I still think that that was the right move. Um, and it's all going to come down or I don't want to say it's all going to come down to, but things are definitely going to shift based on them keeping the pick or not keeping the pick. And I think one thing that gets overlooked is the last thing I'll say on it. One thing that gets overlooked right now is I think a lot of people are like, well, if the Mavs lose the pick, they are screwed. And that's Mm -hmm. just not the case. It definitely is a big blow, a big, a, a big gut punch, but like, if they don't lose the pick, well, then now they have next year's pick that's unprotected. And now they can have all these picks that I don't want to say all these picks, but they have a handful of picks that now open up that they did not have right. uh, last year that are in the near future or potentially the post Luca era. And so um, the first years to right after the post Luca era. And so I think that those are going to have value and that there are going to be deals that they can get done. They just need to get out there and do them. Hearing the words post Luke Luca era are terrifying. If you're oh, yeah. a Mavericks fan, um, I I don't think that's the situation you want. I don't think I don't think Mavericks fans ever want a post Luca era. I think they would rather ride this out until Luca decides to retire at Dallas Maverick. I think that is the end goal. Uh, but I I sure. mean, it's different. Uh, I've I've talked about it before, but this is different than Dirk. This is not. Dirk. Oh, it's way different than Dirk. It's and way I, different than. I, I will give the fan base some credit there. I think that they know that they don't think mm-hmm. that he's Dirk. Um, and I think that's that's kind of like a well known just with the the transition of eras and that I don't think, oh, yeah, think yeah. We, everybody yeah. says that that's not a good thing or a bad thing. It just is a thing. It's a fact. Yeah. Um, and so with Luca, like that's kind of what I expect. I do think that he will give them the opportunity to like to really put the pieces together, which is also part of why if they do get this 10th pick, I'm curious to see, okay, do you really care to to, to to deal it? Or on the one hand, are you like, well, we might as well make a draft selection, one that we feel confident in, and that could also contribute to, I hate to paint this it de- picture. It depends the, if you love – yeah, yeah, I get what you're how saying. much it's, do you love the guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's it's if like you will, I think any NBA front office is going to do their due diligence uh and and you know being like, "Hey, who do we like?" And if they love a guy, if they love a guy at 10, they know they're going to get that guy at 10, they probably end up keeping that pick. That's yeah. that's the case for Portland too because I think Portland's in a situation where they might end up getting a top 5 pick and I think in that situation yes. it's tough to say, "Hey, Damian Lillard, who's nearly 34 years old, I think 34 years old. Um, hey, we're going to actually trade this top five pick for you in order to get, I don't know, inset, insert character. Yes. Uh, I, I, I think it's hard to to quantify that to someone. Either way, ladies and gentlemen, it is going to be a fascinating postseason. It is going to be a fascinating offseason. And we're going to get into our playing predictions. But first, get in on the action and make your bets with sports interaction. Every hit, every shot, every basket, every goal from all your favorite teams and players, you know, like Rudy Gobert, maybe, or or any of the Timberwolves stuff that happened yesterday. It might be one of your favorite players or not. Doesn't matter. Win with competitive odds, the best in live, in play, and more ways than ever to get in the game. Like Minute Madness, I know Minute Madness, such a fun game, or our exclusive games with so many opportunities to win by the minute. Download the app, 
Use your QR code. If you're in Ontario, download it. Do the damn thing. It's on the bottom of the screen here for me. Or head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Okay, so we are doing play-in and playoff predictions, okay? I will set the table for you here so that we can get going. Because it's going to be an interesting one, ladies and gentlemen. It's set. It's set in stone. In the East, the play-in is the Toronto Raptors facing off against the Chicago Bulls. Winner of that faces the loser of the Miami Heat and Atlanta Hawks game for the eighth seed. The Hawks and the Heat end up playing for the seventh seed, and that is your play-in tournament in the East. In the West, you have the New Orleans Pelicans facing off against the Oklahoma City Thunder. The winner of that will play the loser of the Lakers versus Timberwolves, and the Lakers and Timberwolves are playing for the seventh seed. So, Lauren, with that being said, mm-hmm. would you like to start with the East, or would you like to start with the West? Let's start Let's start with the East to save the Raptors listeners the anticipation of, of getting oh, over to the East. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, look, ladies and gentlemen, I, I wrote about this at sdpn.com. You can go ahead and read it if you'd like. It was a preview talking about what we're kind of expecting here, what are the expectations with both teams? Both teams are kind of stuck in the middle a little bit uh, of the Eastern Conference. They're not really they're, – they're, they're stuck in a position where they don't know which way to go. Now, to be fair, the Raptors do have a little bit more flexibility than the Bulls do uh, in terms of pick capital, in terms of young guys that they can look forward to. But at the same time, they are stuck, um, and they're in the same position here where they have to win a game or they end up hitting the lottery. So um, when it comes to the Raptors and Bulls, I guess my prediction here would be that I think the Bulls will not handle business. I think the Raptors will win. The Raptors are a great home team. The Raptors have handled business against the Chicago Bulls pretty much all season. And I think the advantages that the Raptors have in terms of length and size really stop and deter the things that Chicago does well. Uh, Neither of these teams are good shooting teams, which is going to hinder the road team, in my opinion, a little bit more because, you know, Oftentimes, road teams end up shooting worse than the home team, especially in playoff situations. So I think the Raptors pull this one out. When it comes to the other side of the bracket of the East, I think I'm going to go ahead and say that the Miami Heat will pull this out. The Heat have dominated the Hawks uh, head-to-head all season. They've won three out of their four games against them. Uh, Jimmy Butler has gone insane against them pretty much every single time he's played. I think Jimmy is a guy who the Hawks will have trouble with, even though, you know, they do have some good wing defenders that they could throw out there. I think the Hawks are just a little bit too undermanned. There's that I, I just don't believe in them to be able to beat the heat in a one-off elimination game. That's it. But I do think the Hawks have the Raptors number the rap that that's pretty much been the case all season. The typical floor spacing, the shooting that they provide, the dribble pen- penetration of Trey Young and the quickness that he has, I think has posed a great, great threat to guys like Fred Van Vliet who struggle containing quicker guards. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and say the Hawks end up beating the Raptors in Atlanta uh, and the Raptors end up going into the lottery. They shift out to lottery odds and it'll be Miami as the seven seed and Atlanta as the eight seed. That's what I would pick okay. as my predictions. Now your turn. Okay. So I'm, I'm pretty much I'm similar on I'm pretty much similar the whole way except for with Toronto and Atlanta. I've Ooh. got Miami. I've got Miami taking care of business there. 
because same reason as you, I just believe in them more. But then I have, um, then I have Chicago beating Atlanta after losing to Toronto because. Sorry, you mean Chicago? Beating or, I'm sorry. Yes, sorry, my mistake, my mistake. Because I, I genuinely don't believe in Atlanta right now, and I, okay, I just think that they're. It, I went back and forth on this because I was like, okay, Quinn Snyder, the playoff atmosphere or the 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 playoff adjacent atmosphere. Um, can they get that done? And I just, I don't know that I'm there. I'm not sold on mm-hmm. it. So I do think Atlanta, I think Atlanta is going to, going to be getting the boot. And, uh, yeah, I think that's so, where we're headed. So you think it'll be Toronto or Chicago? Toronto or Chicago that eliminates them. Yeah. I think it'll be Chicago. Okay. So Chicago beats Toronto. Chicago and beats Toronto. Yeah. I'm excited. I, Look, I, I do think, I do think so. None of it would shock me. None of yeah. it would surprise me. I re- it really wouldn't. The Raptors have been one of the most inconsistent teams all season. I mean, they finished the season 41 and 41, and it's just because they could never pick up steam. They can't pit. They, 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 they very much so struggle to win multiple games in a row for a majority of the season. Uh, so I, I agree with you. I think it'll be tough for the Raptors to end up pulling out two games in a row against two teams. You know, the Bulls, they've they've done well against all season, but the Hawks, even in the games that I like from the games that I remember, and yes, I've watched all the Raptors games, they just did not have any answers for the dribble penetration of Trey Young. And when yeah. you add DeJounte Murray to that, when you add guys like uh, A.J. Griffin, who can beat you off the bounce, guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich, who could beat you off the bounce, the Hawks just have too many offensive weapons. Uh, and I think that it, it really throws a wrench in what the Raptors want to do defensively. And the Raptors struggle to keep up offensively. Now, who knows? The Raptors have not played the Atlanta Hawks when they've had Jakob Pertle. That does change things for them. So maybe it's a different equation now. But at the same time, I think I'm, I'm comfortable saying that the Raptors probably don't end up getting the eight seed here. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Raptors fans. I'm sorry. I, hey, still it, th- I think there's a yeah. chance. I, I yeah, think we both yeah. think that there's a chance. There and is. I... There absolutely is. And look, this Raptors team... Uh, with Jakob Pertl has looked different yes, than, than it has yeah. before. So I don't know. I, I Again, like it's it's really – at this point also, I think a lot of Raptors fans are saying, what is the point of getting the eight seed? They're sort of in the Mavericks boat where they're like, yeah. hey, we might it's as well similar. pack our bags here and and just, you know, we're, we're okay with, with getting the playing nod, give Scotty Barnes and, and Precious Achua and Gary Trent Jr. the one playing game and we'll call it a day. But I, I don't know. I think I think they do have the advantage in Chicago. I just don't know if they have that type of advantage against Atlanta, who is who has sort of had their number and is yeah. just a bad matchup for them, to be honest with you. So yeah, okay. We're on the same page here in the Eastern Conference. That was my that was my transition effect. I know, ladies and gentlemen, very, very <laughs> cool. Uh let's do the West, okay? Good. I'll go ahead real quick. I think um OKC versus New Orleans is gonna be a fascinating game oh, because yeah. Brandon Ingram has been absolutely on a tear since the All-Star break. Just some of the best basketball of his career. Uh, I mean, if he was playing like this all season, he'd probably have, a, a, you know, considering for an All-NBA nod. And then on the other side, you have Shea, who is is just an enigmatic score, a guy who isn't going to let you rush him, who makes great decisions, who is like this this great slow-mo type of player. I love the way Shea plays. This is going to be a fascinating ball game. Zion Williamson will not be playing, so the Pelicans are undermanned. But I do think the Pels' size advantage in having a Jonas Valanciunas is going to be a big factor. Now, to be fair, and Pelicans fans will address this, they'll talk about this all the time, 
they have not consistently gone to to Jonas Valanciunas often. They really mm-hmm. haven't. And and that's that's part of their struggles offensively is not incorporating the big man more in the middle, not getting more paint touches in there and, and getting him actively involved. The shooting is also a big factor. I think OKC has a little bit of an edge, but but to be fair, I, I, I think both teams aren't the, the most outrageous shooting teams. That being said, I could see this going either way, but I think I'm going to go with the Pelicans. I think they're just the more standard team there they have a little bit more rotation players here if you will mm-hmm. that I trust in a playing game so I'm going to go with the Pelicans and then on the other side you know we mentioned it with the Timberwolves but they're going to be without Naz Reed they're going to be without Jaden McDaniels no Rudy Gobert I'm not going to say it's going to be a a, a slap I don't think they're <laughs> going to get destroyed I think when you have Anthony Edwards when you have Carl Anthony Towns you'll always have a chance Mike Conley knows what he's doing in playoff games as well but I'm going to have to say the Lakers. They've played better basketball throughout this last month. They've looked very, very good. They're in a rhythm, and they don't have all this craziness going on. So it's the Lakers. Now, between New Orleans and Memphis, which are which are the two, uh, and so, sorry, Minnesota, which are the two teams that ended up playing and the whole Rudy Gobert situation happened in, I actually think the Pelicans end up pulling it out this time. Uh, and that's because of all the things I just mentioned. No Jaden McDaniels, no Nas Reed, and Rudy Gobert, the whole kerfuffle that's happening. Now, Gobert probably will end up playing in that second playing game if the Wolves end up losing their first one. Mm-hmm. But I still don't think that the Pelicans, uh, that the Timberwolves will be able to handle business there. And I think the Timberwolves will lose that game and the Pelicans will end up winning that game. So my seven and eight is the Lakers and the Pelicans. Your Lakers. choice now, Lauren. My... <sighs> This is so. I'm in the. I am in the same boat. I. I have no. I have zero faith against with the Minnesota versus the Lakers. Yeah, I'm picking the Lakers there. Um, I do think I'm with you that the OKC New Orleans game will be will be interesting. But I do have New Orleans there, and then yeah, I think Minnesota. I think that'll be it. I think that'll be it for them. And then I think they they're gonna be they're gonna have these questions just looming over them. And it's there's just it's hard for me to have any sort. How can you have that many factors faith, going on? Yeah. And yeah. then you go in and take care of business in probably one of the most because it's like you said it's a one off game. It's this mm-hmm. is do it's do or die. That's a very so it's very hard for me to put any stock in in, in there. Okay. Um, so yeah. I'm with you seven and eight. Same. You're with me. Okay. So so with that being said, our Western conferences are the exact same. Our Eastern conferences are different. Well, yes. I have I have uh, Atlanta in there as the eighth seed. You have Chicago in there as the eighth seed. But regardless, okay, that 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 doesn't really matter too much here. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with the Eastern Conference. I will quickly give you my predictions uh, of everything that I imagine in the first round of mm-hmm. this Eastern Conference. So. I have the Bucks beating the Atlanta Hawks uh, in five games. I think Atlanta probably pulls out one singular game. But yeah, the Bucks end up winning that pretty comfortably. Mm-hmm. In the 2-7 matchup, which will be Boston versus Miami, that's going to be fascinating. Jimmy Butler always shows up against Miami. Or, sorry, against Boston. It's going to be an incredible series. But I do think Boston is more talented. They're more trustworthy in terms of their rotation. Boston mm-hmm. wins that in six over Miami. Uh, Philadelphia handles business against Brooklyn, a Brooklyn team that looks very, very different to what they were earlier in the season. I think Philadelphia wins in five over the Nets. Uh, Cleveland versus New York, that is probably going to be the most entertaining first round series in the Eastern Conference. Donovan Mitchell versus the team that everybody says Donovan Mitchell should have been traded to. I think it'll be Cleveland in seven 
over the Knicks. I think it'll go to seven. I think the Knicks will have some great series from uh, Jalen Brunson. Julius Randle's probably going to be back. I just think Cleveland's defense has been so formidable all year that the number one defense uh, and that size factor is going to play a huge, huge factor. And I kind of trust the Cavs offense a little bit more than the Knicks offense down the stretch. So Cavs in seven, that is my predictions. Now, I like it. Keeping in mind, I'm going to keep going for you. I'm going to just keep going here. Go all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go all the way through. So now it would be the Bucks versus the Cavs in my version of this bracket. Okay. And I think in that, it would be a very, very fun series. It would be awesome. I think the Cavs would have some really, really fun games in there with Mobley and Garland and Mitchell. The young guys will have their moment to shine. But I just think the Bucks are very, very well matched defensively. They have the size that can compete against them. They're deeper. Uh, and they're just the more reliable playoff team. I think experience will play a factor here. Milwaukee in six over Cleveland in the second round. Boston against Philly. Boston has had Philly's uh, hand, like they pretty much had them matched every single time they've played this season, except the last time they played where Philly won the game, finally, despite no, no, uh, like Boston had so many injuries. But I still think it's going to be a competitive series. I think it'll be the most competitive series Philly will have uh, in a very long time, but I still say Boston. So I'm going to say Boston in seven over Philadelphia, a game seven series. It'll be fantastic popcorn material. Which means we get an Eastern Conference Finals of what everybody probably imagines, which is Milwaukee and Boston. And my prediction here, and I talked to Chris Herring about this, this was my essential prediction, is that what team is going to falter first? Will it be Milwaukee's defense that has proven all year that it's great, or Boston's offense and shooting? And in my opinion, I think the shooting variance is a bigger factor here. I think I trust Milwaukee's defense more. And I, I just think when you have the better player in the series, I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the world. That's the ultimate trump card that you can throw out there. So with that, with that being said, and hopefully Chris Middleton is, is healthy, I think that's a big part of this. I think Milwaukee in seven over Boston. They have that home court advantage now. I'm going to pick Milwaukee, which means Milwaukee is my Eastern Conference champion. That is my Eastern playoff picture right here. That is the predictions that I'm giving you guys. Lauren. Your like turn. It. Go for it. Okay. I'm going to do my best to keep it straight because. Okay. okay. <laughs> round one. Where are we at with round one? Okay. Milwaukee versus. Um, hold on. You had, Chicago. You, you had Chicago. Yeah. Hold on. My my formatting got messed up. Hold on. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So there do, we you go. Want to, do you want me to send you the NBA.com thing? Or you no. I, I, the sad part is, is that I got it up and I still am like, oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> can you tell my brain is dead from tax season? Thank you very much. Okay. Milwaukee, I have Chicago. So I've got Milwaukee in five on that one. Okay. And then I've got the Cleveland, New York. I also think that's going to go to seven. I think Cleveland's going to pull that one out. And then Philly versus Brooklyn. I've got Philly in six on that one. Cool. And then Boston versus Miami. I've got Boston in six on that one. I think Miami's going to get feisty. And I think they're going to push it to six. Okay. Um, round two, Milwaukee versus Cleveland. I've got Milwaukee in six. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got who is it? Philly versus Boston. I've got Philly in seven. Woo! Okay. I got a little spicy for you. Okay. And then I think that Eastern Conference Finals, no matter who's there, I think it's going to seven. No matter yeah. who's there, there's in my mind, there's no way it doesn't go to seven. Yeah. Um. And in that one, I do also have Milwaukee taking going taking the Eastern Conference because I think Philly, we've talked about it on here, the pressure cooker, the things that they're facing, 
And to me, in this environment, when you have a few too many things stacked up against you and you're looking at the other yeah. side that's got a lot going for them or maybe even less against them, whether it be the Chris Middleton uh, health or or really anybody's health over in, over in uh, Milwaukee, I think yeah. those things have big, big implications in a playoff environment, which is why I have more faith in the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I agree with you. I think in general, uh, the Bucks have looked they have been the best team in the NBA since December 1st. They have the best record of the NBA since that time. Uh, their defenses look formidable all season. They have a perfect recipe with the point of attack of, of guys like Drew Holiday, Javon Carter, Chris Middleton, and then you have the help side guys in a Giannis Antetokounmpo, in a Jay Crowder. And then, and then you also have, obviously, the man in the middle protecting the paint, a guy who could probably win Defensive Player of the Year this season in Brooke Lopez. I just think their defensive nucleus is so solid, and I rely and I trust that much more than any other team's offense. Now, to be fair, the Celtics have had the upper hand against the Bucs pretty much all season. The Celtics have been very, very good against the Bucs all season. They've shown that they can, um, you know, Milwaukee does give up a, a considerable amount of three still, even though they've adjusted their game plan. And I still think that, you know, the Celtics find themselves comfortable with the draw, drive and kick, create a three, get the Bucks in rotation. They've they've shown that that works. That's a recipe that works against the Bucks, especially when you're the Celtics. I just think, you know, Grant Williams has isn't having the best season that he's he had last year. He he was having a really good season last year. He's not going to be hitting a bunch of shots like he did in game six and game seven of last year's series. The the Bucks now have Chris Middleton back. You know, obviously he sustained another knee injury, but from what everybody's reporting, the MRI came back clean. It's just a regular knee bruise, if you will, and he should be back and ready to go. That's going to be a huge factor in the series. I think if you look back at last year's Bucks Celtic series, missing out on Chris Middleton's shot creation was such a massive part of Milwaukee's whole situation. Uh, and on top of that, I think Drew Holiday is having a better season than he was last year. Brooke Lopez is having a much better season than he was last year. The Bucks, in my opinion, feel like the team to beat in the East. Um, now, I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't be surprised if Philly ends up beating them or if the Celtics end up beating him. But that's because, you know, as I mentioned on the pod last week, those three are the teams to beat in the NBA. They are the they are the three favorites. It's just that they're all in the same conference, and it makes it that much tougher to assess and really be like, oh man, we 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 gave it our best go because the Sixers might be able to give it their best go, even if they beat Boston in that second round matchup. They still have to face the Bucks, who have been the best team in the NBA. So I, yeah, I think that's fair. I think we 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 called it good. And and you know what, Lauren, like we we kind of t- we kind of ran over it and said, you know, the the Bucks will handle business against Cleveland or or New York. I could see a, a world where it's a little bit more difficult for them. I could see a, a world where the Knicks or the Cavs, whoever moves out of that, you know, pl- spot, forces seven, maybe pulls off an upset. I mean, I mean, I could see it. it. It's it's a smaller chance, but the the shot creation of Donovan Mitchell, the playmaking and shooting ability of Darius Garland, if Evan Mobley has a great offensive uh, series, if he kind of breaks out. If this is his come out coming out party, why not? I, I could totally see that happen. I could totally see that happen. Okay, let's switch over. So the Eastern Conference is a little bit more clear cut. It's a little bit more obvious who's going to be coming out on top. Uh, although, you know, between the top three, you can kind of decide and, and pick, make your picks, make your hot takes. You know, Lauren also mentioned she was taking Philly over Boston. Some would say that's a pretty hot take. Um, let's move over to the West. The West is way less clear cut. 
way less clear cut. There's just so many questions and we've, we've addressed this on our podcast with Jackson Frank. You can go ahead and listen to that. Why there's so much craziness happening. The top of the West has just been unbelievably healthy. You know, the Nuggets have been healthy. The Kings have been very healthy. The Grizzlies who haven't been healthy all season have just been very good defensively. And that's been able to carry them in games. Whereas the second half of the Eastern conference, the bottom half of the Eastern, sorry, Western conference playoff race is just, it's dealt with so many injuries. It's dealt with so many different questions that it's thrown a wrench in their seasons. Now, to be fair, they're still very good teams and they could pull off upsets, which I have a lot of upsets. So let's talk about this. I'm going to go ahead and do mine. And then Lauren, I'll throw it to you again. Okay. In the one, eight series, Denver versus new Orleans, because I had new Orleans coming out of that plane and getting the eight spot. I have Denver in six over New Orleans. I actually think New Orleans will put up a pretty good fight. Maybe even Zion comes back. Who knows? But I do think that New Orleans, like they put up a good fight against the Suns a few, uh, what was it, last year? They're going to put up a good fight again in the first round this year. Denver in six over New Orleans. In the 2-7 series, which is Memphis versus the Lakers. Oh, man. This is the one where I'm pulling up an upset. I know Grizzlies fans are going to be mad at me, man. Grizzlies fans are going to be very mad at me for saying this, but I think it is going to be the Lakers in six over the Grizzlies. I think it will be, I I just think losing out on Steven Adams, I think losing out on Brandon Clark, those are the types of guys that you need to be able to throw out at Anthony Davis. They, they're going to be missing a ton of size, and I understand they have, other guys, Santi Aldama is also hurt, but like they have other guys they can throw out there. And Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be the def- maybe going to be the defensive player of the year. I just have questions about their front court depth, how they're going to be able to guard a LeBron James, how they're going to be able to guard a, a an Anthony Davis. There's a lot of questions there about their 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 rotation and defensive awareness. I, I agree. The Grizzlies have been great defensively all year. I just think the Lakers pose a matchup problem because of the size that they can throw out there because of how good AD has played this year. I think AD versus Jaron Jackson Jr. is a matchup that is tougher for Jaron Jackson. I think the guys, um, the point of attack uh, kind of creators for the Lakers in a D'Angelo Russell, in an Austin Reeves, even in a Dennis Schroeder, those are the type of guys that can take advantage of, say, a John Morant or a Desmond Bain at the point of attack. So I... I just I know the Grizzlies have been good defensively this season. I think the Lakers are just a matchup problem for them. So I'm going to go with the Lakers. They're going to go in six over the Grizzlies. Now, in the 4-5 matchup, it is the Suns versus the Clippers. And this, this would be a very, very close series if Paul George was back. I really do think it would be a different series if he was going to be playing in this one. But I just think the Clippers have been very confusing all season. Uh, I think there's just been so much inconsistency with that team. They haven't been able to get their rotation right at all. Uh, and that is partially due to the injuries. But I think the Suns are talented enough. They, I mean, they have Kevin Durant, obviously. They have the shot-making ability. Yes, I have depth concerns for the Suns. And I think the Clippers will be able to win a couple games because of that. But I got Phoenix in six over the Clippers. Uh, when it comes to the Kings versus the Warriors, this is going to be an incredible series. Mike Brown versus his former team, movement offense, motion offense versus motion offense, two of the most exciting teams, Northern California rivalry. It's, it's everything you want in a playoff series. This is going to have it. It probably is the best playoff series in the first round, bar none, probably. I just think 
<sighs> Lauren, Lauren knows where I'm going with this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Listen, man, Kings fans, I love y'all. I really love y'all. You guys were my third most watched team this year. I had a lot of fun watching this team. It has been amazing. I really do think that the Kings have a chance, too. I think they have a really good chance at winning this series just because of how great they've been all year. But you're facing a team that has been doing what you're doing, but has been doing it for seven years. They have this motion offense. And I know there's new pieces to what the Warriors are trying. There's the Dante DiVincenzo's of the world. There's the Jamichael Greens of the world who are not necessarily used to that system. But this is a tried and true system. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, now Jordan Poole, now Andrew Wiggins is back. They know the system. And in my opinion, the defensive prowess of the Warriors when they're locked in, when there's a Draymond Green, when there's a Andrew Wiggins, when there's a Kevon Looney and they're all healthy and they're ready to compete, that's still one formidable defensive team. Uh, And the Kings have not been a formidable defensive team. The Kings have not been able to address any of their defensive concerns pretty much all season. So I just think the Warriors know how to do what you're doing, and they've done it before. They've done it in a playoff setting. They've played defense before, and the Kings this year have not been able to play really good defense. So I'm going to say Golden State in six over Sacramento. I think the Kings end up winning a couple games for sure. Maybe okay. even force it to seven. I could see the Kings winning in seven. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised at all. But I can't I can't bet against the Warriors. That's been a bad bet That's almost fair. every single time except 2016 NBA finals and 2019 NBA finals it's been a bad bet to bet against the Warriors I'm not going to do it so I'm going to go ahead and pick the Warriors over that so now I'm just going to keep going here real quick okay Phoenix against Denver in the second matchup I just think Phoenix is an awful awful matchup for the Nuggets <laughs> yeah but I think depth is going to be an issue here I think the fact that the Suns don't have a fifth guy that they can rely on, uh, even a bench that they can rely on is going to be an issue here. I know the Nuggets still have to figure out how they're going to survive in the Jokic list minutes, but the Nuggets are deeper. They have Christian Brown. They have Bruce Brown. They have Jamal Murray that they throw with their bench lineups a lot. They they have a lot of weapons that they go to. I'm going to say Denver in seven over the Suns. I think it'll be a good series. I think it'll be hard fought, but I think Denver ends up pulling that out. Uh, the Suns in four guy will not be able to say Suns in four this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then this series is going to be wild warriors versus Lakers in the way that I have it. That would be popcorn right there. I mean, the NBA would be salivating at the thought of a, of a first round of a second round series with LeBron James and Steph Curry and Anthony Davis and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson and all the craziness. That is that that would be primetime television every single time. I'm going to go with golden state over the Lakers. Uh, and I'm going to say golden state in seven. Over the Lakers, they would have home court advantage here. Uh, and I think the Lakers, you know, their point of attack defense has not been good. They don't have a, a recipe for stopping a Steph Curry. And I think Golden State ends up winning it. That means my Western Conference Finals is the Nuggets versus the Warriors. And I just think that, like, if I were to, if you were to tell me that the Nuggets and Warriors are playing in a, in a playoff series tomorrow and the Nuggets are the first seed, and the Warriors are the sixth seed, I would be laughing. I would genuinely be laughing because I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. It should be reversed. What's going on here? But I'm going to go ahead and say the Warriors in six 
over the Nuggets. I think the matchup problem, again, like I said, that Steph Curry poses to what the Nuggets do. I think it's it's in a similar vein to what the Suns can throw at the Nuggets, but the Suns don't have the necessary depth to supplement what they're doing. The Warriors do have that a little bit. They also have guys who can guard your secondary players. Again, Andrew Wiggins is a massive part of this. So I'm going to say the Warriors make it to the NBA Finals once again, despite a wildly miraculous, crazy, out-of-this-world season where they end up as the sixth seed. They make it to the NBA Finals, and it's the Warriors versus the Bucks in the NBA Finals. That is my bet, and I think that the Bucks end up winning the NBA championship over the Warriors in seven. I think it'll be a, a great one. I think it'll be an all-time level series, and I think it's one where Giannis is just going to dominate. They, re- I mean, yes, Draymond Green is a, is a is a great defender, but Giannis is a different type of animal, and I, I just I think he's going to dominate that series. So, Bucks and seven in the NBA Finals over the I like Warriors. It. That's my I like pick. It. It's it's I like it. This it's going to be <laughs> this is going to be a good one. So okay, number one, Denver versus New Orleans. I've got Denver in six as well. I think I think New Orleans also going to put up a fight, but it's not going to be enough. Yeah. And that's a testament to Denver, not a knock on New Orleans. Um, and then you got Phoenix versus the Clippers. I have Phoenix in six as well. Or I don't remember if you said in six or I, I, did, I have yeah, Phoenix in yeah, six. Yeah. Um, and then next up, Sac versus Golden State. I'm a believer. Oh, you're Sack in seven. Woo! That's what I've got. That is Let's what go. I've got. I'm, I like it. I am not doubting the beam team. I think that I will say I should preface <laughs> this. The Western Conference playoffs is going to be a freaking marathon. Yeah. It is going to be a marathon. I fully mm-hmm. believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want. I don't want to doubt Sack. I don't want to doubt the inexperience. I don't want to. I, I get so I'm it. giving them their credit. I think okay. that this is my time to give them their credit. Okay. Um, and then I've got Memphis versus LA. Or, I mean, that's what it is. And I've got LA and seven, unfortunately. Oh, okay. This is where I've All got right. LA, but I think it's going to take seven. Okay. And then last one. Oh, wait, no. Excuse so now me. You have that's your second that's round. first round. Now yeah. we're on second round. Second round is Denver versus Phoenix. I've got Phoenix and seven. Okay. I like it. That's fair. That's fair. I, I get do. it. I understand it. Yep. And then we've got SAC versus LA. And this is where I think the experience comes in as crazy as it sounds. And I do think <laughs> the LeBron James, I do think I'm going to give it to LeBron. I have LA oh, at seven. Man. Okay. This is where I, this is where I think that they can, I think they're going to have enough fight in them. And that game seven and sack against golden state is going to be enough to yeah. get it done or to, to give them the edge. But then I think continuing to be tested is where the experience is going to eventually catch up to them. That's how I see. That's how okay. I can see that going. So hold on. And if what about what about your Western Conference Finals? Now I'm my curious. Western Conference Finals is a Phoenix versus LA, LeBron Lakers. versus yeah. KD, Chris Paul, the whole thing. It yeah. is a Phoenix versus LA showdown, and I have Phoenix in six. Okay, fair enough. And then, and then in your NBA finals, in my would NBA be, finals, which would I've be got, a Bucks Suns rematch, twenty twenty one. Yeah, I also I like the rematch narrative. I think that that's going to be an interesting one, which is why because of I mean that and many other things, I do think it's going to be one that goes to seven, despite Phoenix's lackluster bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do have Milwaukee winning. In Milwaukee seven. In, in seven. Whew. Man, so look, we both picked the Milwaukee Bucks as our NBA champions. You picked the Suns as the team coming out of the Western Conference. I picked the Warriors coming out of the Western Conference. You had the Lakers in a Western Conference final. I did. They I started did. the season 2-10. and 10, I know. And they, in your situation, might end up being a Western Conference finalist. I would That wouldn't surprise me. I will me, say, let me say yeah. this. If it's Golden State in the second round like you have it, 
I do not see the Lakers getting past that. If it's yeah. Sac, I can see them getting it done. And I can also see Sacramento beating them. I mm-hmm. think there are many questions with the Lakers, but I think that they, the group that they've put together, what we have seen, I think it's there's enough for them to believe, especially with playoff LeBron James. Um, I think that they can take down an inexperienced team. But if it's Golden State, I don't know that I'm picking LA to come out of that yeah, one. I agree with you. I it's it's going to be fascinating. And oh, look, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, I will say this right now: we will be wrong on we a will. lot of this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, on a, on a lot of this, we will be completely wrong, and it can change the complexion of things. If you had told me in the bubble that the Heat would have beat the Bucks in that series, and Tyler Hero would have went would have went bananas, and then you know the Heat end up making the NBA Finals, I would have I would have laughed at you. If you were to tell me that the you know last year the craziness that happened in the second round, if that would have had, I I wouldn't have believed it. So there's just so many things that could change in any given playoff series. There's injuries that happen. There's there's fights. There's there's you know uh, tip for tats. There's there's guys going uh, oh you know a team going o of twenty in the Western Conference Finals to miss a bunch of threes. Shout out to the Houston Rockets. <laughs> I, I just like there's so many factors here with the NBA playoffs and especially in an NBA playoffs with this much parity. This has just been the name of the game for this season, where everything has been so evenly split that I could hear the argument for five different teams winning the NBA championship, and I could I could understand it. You could sit here and tell me right now that the Nuggets are the clear-cut favorite and they're going to win the NBA title, and I could hear that argument. I could hear the same thing about the Bucks, the mm-hmm. Celtics, the Sixers, even the Suns, the Warriors. Heck, even the Los Angeles Lakers who started <laughs> the season 2-10. and 10. So yeah. I, I, that's what makes this so amazing. That's what makes basketball, the sport that we cover, absolutely insane. Uh, and folks, we will be there covering it, watching it, podcasting it, doing the whole thing for you. Right here on the Objective Basketball Podcast. Do the subscribing, do the liking, do the rating for us. We really appreciate you on Spotify, Apple Pods, all that stuff. Uh, From S, from Lauren, we'll see you guys later. Peace. Follow hosts at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at The Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.